say you have a Muslim neighbor or coworker, could you begin a conversation with them about the gospel? Does that sound intimidating? Like maybe you're not really up to the task? Fouad Masri says you don't have to be up to the task. Just follow God in what he's already doing. It shocks me how we always think of ministry as helping Jesus. Well, in reality, he's already doing the work. We're just coming along for the ride, as you say, for the joy. Uh, you know, you talk to Muslims, you find out some of them have had a dream or some of them are reading Bible. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and I am on the road this week at the Crescent Project National Conference. Our guest is the founder of the Crescent Project, Fouad Masri. He was born and raised in Beirut, Lebanon. He is a third-generation ordained pastor, and he has been training people to share the gospel with Muslims since 1979. We are going to talk a little bit about his passion. Listen to some of these statistics. The, the Crescent Project was founded 25 years ago. Since then, more than 21,000 Christians have been trained in how to reach out to their Muslim co-workers and friends and classmates in, a, in an appropriate way and not to be fearful about that. We're going to talk about some of those things. Pastor Fouad is also the producer and teacher of the Bridges DVD. Some of you who are longtime listeners to VOM Radio will remember when I had Jamie Staples on and we talked about the Bridges curriculum, how passionate I am to see people use that Fouad is also the author of 14 books, so he is an expert in the realm of training people to reach out to Muslims with the gospel. Fouad, welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you, Todd. Great to be with you. Your passion is to see more people like me, American Christians, equipped and ready to reach out to their Muslim friends, co-workers. How did God raise up that passion in your life? Yeah, thank you. As you read the Bible, you find that the Bible gives us a hope. His name is Jesus, and he's worth sharing with all people. So the more I studied the Bible as a young believer, the more I found that Jesus wants to be known by all. And he says, I have come that they all might have life and have it more abundantly. So as I studied the Word of God, it felt like Christ is needed to all people. Now, I grew up in Beirut. My neighbors were Shia Muslim, Druze, Sunni Muslim. You know, we had Palestinian neighbors. We had Syrian neighbors. And I discovered that they need to know this. So the, the burden was not only that Christ is asking me to share his message with others, the other people that I'm living among, they don't know. They don't know the beauty of Christ. A friend of mine said to me, Jesus was just a man. And that's not true. He's the word of God. Uh, one another person said to me, well, Jesus, you know, kind of wasn't doing a good job. So God took him to heaven and sent someone else who killed the pagans and destroyed the idols and started Islam. And we call the name Muhammad. So my struggle was, hey, wait, wait a second. 
Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus rose from the dead. So the passion that I was in coming into my life was due to the need around me and the beauty of the gospel of Christ. One of the things that comes to me out of that story is that your Muslim neighbors and friends were not shy about having this conversation. I think our perception, many American Christians, is, well, my Muslim friend doesn't want to talk to me about faith and religion, and certainly they they don't have any questions about Jesus. If they had questions, they would be a Christian. So why would I have that conversation? Or if I do, it's going to turn out very badly. What do you say to that person? Thank you. That's very important because we many times make a decision for the Muslim we're talking to. Don't make that decision. One, Muslims are hungry for to know Christ. We know that. There is hunger in the hearts of people. Number two, not only Islam has become a problem for them, and historically it's been there, but now for the first time, they're looking at the war, the war in Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Libya, Algeria, you know, everywhere they look, they see problems between Muslim and Muslim, Iran, Turkey. So the struggle is, if Islam is the religion that solves the problem, why these conflicts? Why these, and there are conflicts not between one person and two people, you know, sure, every community has people who are on the fringe. It's like conflicts with the religious leaders. They're asking for war and jihad. So that's making a question in the minds of Muslims. The other thing that's very important for us Islam is a very pragmatic religion. So in their psyche, in their understanding of the religion, if I'm a Muslim, what do I do? Many times we evangelicals here in America and Christians in America, we tend to think, if you're a Christian, what do you believe? But when you study the Bible, you find out that faith and, and action are together. If you believe in me, you follow me. Jesus said to Peter, leave your nets and follow me. So there is this role of how do you behave as a believer? That's not work salvation. It's just the fruit of your faith. So many times Muslims are talking to us. They're talking about their works as a Muslim. And that's a great way for us to capitalize and say, well, let me tell you that it's not important what you're doing. It's how you're starting. Did you love your neighbor? Because I can do the rituals, but not love my neighbor. And it, it's important to our listeners, my brother and my sister, it's important that you see your role as a light and darkness. When you talk to Muslims, they're starting from an understanding of God that he's the master, we're the slave. He's the source of good and evil. He's the one who punishes you and strikes you when you don't listen. The Christian concept is beautiful. The Christian concept is, yes, God is a judge. He will judge people, but his view of you as a believer is you are his child. You are his son, his daughter. So your conversation with your Muslim friend is to bring the understanding to the Christian point of view. And what is so sad today, there's a lot of websites who try to do Islamic propaganda. So they say stuff like, oh, Islam is peaceful and Islam is loving. But that's not first Quranic, number one. Number two, that's not how Muslims are behaving anyway. So this idea that the website says, oh, Islam is loving, whatever. Yeah, it's in a website. But how do you see Muslims love minorities? How do the Sunnis treat the Shiites if they're minority or vice versa? How do Shia treat Sunnis in a minority? What about Christians? What about Yazidis? What about Druze? What about foreigners? Even till now, we have a name for foreigners. 
if you're a Muslim in, uh, in a Muslim community and you invite somebody who's from outside, they usually say, oh, you're a Muslim, you invited a kafir. A kafir is an infidel. You know, that's, that's not only racist, that's demeaning to say that, hey, I invited somebody who's blasphemer. What? Especially for us Christians, it's an, an insult. You insult us by saying we're blasphemer. We're not. We worship one God. We worship the Messiah, Jesus, who came and rose from the dead. So it's sad that today it's easy to, for websites to claim things that are not reality. The culture is in darkness and needs to see the light of Christ. One of the things that, that we as American Christians think when we think about reaching Muslims and we think about being that light is they're going to ask me questions I don't know the answers to. I've, I've never read the Quran. I don't have enough information to have that conversation so I'm scared. <laughs> so, so help me, yes. help me get over that fear. Yes, I, I want to start spiritually speaking. My brother and my sister, Jesus repeatedly says, "Do not fear. I am with you." So, number one, it doesn't matter if I'm talking to Muslim, Hindu, good old American. I don't care whoever I'm talking to. That fear is not from God. That fear is from the evil one. So, when I have the fear, I I say, "Lord, you are with me. I will not fear. You will never leave me nor forsake." So, one. Jesus is with you, do not fear. Number two, most Muslims are nominal. They themselves did not read the Quran. You'll be lucky if they've even finished the whole Quran. They maybe heard it chanted. Maybe they heard some messages and verses from their imam or their father. Most Muslims, even in the United States, 20% of them go to the mosque. The other 80% do not go. They try to practice their faith at home. Well, they're very nominal, so they have traditional information about Jesus. And one more thing, the Quran is in Arabic. If they don't happen to read Arabic, they can't read the Quran. Exactly, and that's added to the mess when you meet people from Indonesia, from Malaysia, from Afghanistan, Iran, Turkey. They pull stuff sometimes and you say, as a, for me, as an Arab believer who reads the Quran in Arabic, I'll say, no, that's not in the Quran. Uh, for example, they quote the Quranic verse, that God says it's blasphemy to say God is one of Trinity. That's not what the text says. The text says, It's blasphemy to say that God is one of three top gods. So the guy who translated it to English, he put the word Trinity, but that's not what it says. It's, we don't believe that God is one of three. We believe Trinity. They're all one God. The God, His Word, and His Spirit are all one. They're not, they're not three different gods. So how does it go when... You, as a Christian, correct the Quranic understanding of a Muslim. How does that conversation end? Well, it, it's exciting because suddenly the conversation now, they're saying, wait a second. Oh, so you guys don't believe in three gods? And I'm saying, no, we believe in one God. Uh, so for us, uh, my challenge for our listeners is don't be afraid. Number one. Two, the most Muslims are nominal. Three, everybody asks the same question. I've been all over this planet. I've been in Singapore. I've been in Korea. It's the same question. Does God exist? Does God love me? Can I find salvation? Can I have power over sin? Many, many times Muslims have addictions and problems that you need to come tell them Jesus will help. Another one is, does God have a future for me? You know, people come, one of the ladies who trained with us, her neighbor was Somali, who saw her own father get shot in Somalia, tied to the bumper of a car, dragged down the street. Oh my. So this lady needs somebody to pray with her, loving her. doesn't matter if she becomes a Christian or not. We have a role to be light in darkness. In the beauty of our faith, um, Jesus says, they will know 
You are my disciples by your love. Love to one another, yes. Love to your neighbor, yes. Love to our enemies, yes. It's it's a powerful, like love always wins. You know, love always uh, does. Love always reaches out. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Fouad Masri. He is the founder of an organization called The Crescent Project. They train American Christians to reach out to Muslims. Fouad, you've mentioned some of the folks that you've trained, and we're now talking about 21,000-plus people who you have helped to train to do this. What are the stories that you hear about the results when, when those conversations happen and when hearts are changed by, again, not by us, hearts are changed by God and by the message of, of love? Thank you. It's amazing how God works when we are obedient. You know, in the last 25 years just ministering here in the U.S., it shocks me how we always think of ministry as helping Jesus. Well, in reality, he's already doing the work. We're just coming along for the ride, as you say, for the joy. Uh, you know, you talk to Muslims, you find out some of them have had a dream or some of them are reading Bible or somebody has a neighbor. You know, uh, one guy was talking to this guy, Jamil from uh, Michigan, and he said to me, my mom brought me a Bible from her neighbor because he was talking to her about uh, finding an English Bible. He wanted an Arabic Bible. And his mom is Shia, but she said, hey, if you want to read the Bible, I'll get you one. And you're shocked, like, what? Your mom, who's a Shia, brings you a Bible? Now, the beautiful thing about that, he wasn't saved yet, but he was reading. And, and so sometimes God invites us to the process to love others and enjoy and if you want to say we're co-laborers with Christ or we are following the, this beautiful trail of people coming, becoming saved. Another beautiful story is um, an Afghan lady. Somebody shared the gospel with her. She was 30 years old, raised here in America. A Pakistani lady, born and raised here. Somebody shared the gospel with her when she was 25. Uh, another, uh, another person trained crossed the street and welcomed his neighbor to the neighborhood. He thought he was Arab, but the guy was Iranian. Don't call Iranians Arab. That's a very, very bad insult. That's trouble. So, so, so he was shocked that, you know, you can't say Arab, but he's Persian, he's Iranian. And they've, they've had now multiple Thanksgiving dinners together, and wow. they're talking about Jesus. So the first thing we notice is these breakdown of walls. Now, look, we're not saying that Islam is correct. When you show love to your Muslim friend, that doesn't mean Islam is correct. Islam is the problem, but many times Muslims are the victims of Islam. They're, they're, you know, either they lost someone through this jihad or maybe their kids are involved in jihad. So many times you want to know that the problem is not them, it's the way they're taught. So that's one important thing. And loving them always, always brings glory to Jesus. So... We don't have to agree with them. We can listen, show respect, and you can say, hey, I disagree with your point of view. Or better yet, give them Jesus' point of view. So when we're looking at the Middle East, when we're looking at refugees, a war, you know, people killing each other because they're Sunni, Shia, we can say, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus say to refugees? What would Jesus say to religious people? We already have a whole chapter that he told the religious Pharisees. He says, you know, on the outside... You know, you look good, but on the inside, you're vipers. You're eating the flesh of the people. They're enslaving them. So we do not like religious people because religious people, they want religion. They want rules. 
Jesus came to give us faith. Faith is from the heart. Faith shines in our, in our works. Faith begins in changing values, not the other way around. You mentioned uh, the, the phenomena of dreams, people having dreams, people having visions. How common is that among Muslims here in the U.S.? Because we hear those stories from the Middle East often. How common is that among American Muslims? Yes, I mean, I know well, probably about 10 people personally who had dreams here in the U.S., uh, one in Michigan, one in Ohio, one in Virginia, California. If we have a Muslim friend or contact that maybe asks us for a Bible, or I'm interested to learn more about your faith, is there a particular book? Do you point them to the Gospel of John? Do you point them to Genesis? Where would you advise a Muslim, if, if they just are getting a Bible for the first time, where would you advise them to start? Yeah, I mean, we're now 21st century, so I would recommend using something like an app. It'd be good. Uh, also, there's a lot of videos now they can watch. There's a Jesus Film app. There's other websites that they can download. I, I would recommend our listeners use that. If they want a hard copy, I give them the whole New Testament or a portion of it. Our goal as a ministry to give out 10,000 Gospel of John in Arabic and English. So people can request that from our website. Uh, however, if you're going to ask them for a book, we discovered God uses all of them. I get this question all the time. People say, well, which one will you give? Generally speaking, Luke is good because it begins with the virgin birth, something they heard about, and has parables. The parables are very much cultural. But Matthew is powerful for them. The Sermon on the Mount is very powerful. Uh, John is powerful because it starts with the Word of God. Um, you know, so uh, for me to say which which one, I, I like the whole Bible. I love it. I've read it many times, more than 38 times, and I just love it. My uh, point for, for our listeners is that if you have to give them something, preferably the Holy New Testament, and when you do the Holy New Testament, explain that Matthew chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus. Most Muslims, when they read chapter 1, it's very confusing because they don't know who are these names. Like, who's Methushalah? I don't know that. So, <laughs> so, you know, so it's important to say, you know, chapter 1 is the genealogy of Jesus. Chapter 2 is the birth. So many times they start with chapter 2 of Matthew. It's an easy way to comprehend. Mm -hmm. I, I want to talk about the Bridges DVD and now an app that you can get. It's called Bridges Study, uh, an app that contains that material. Tell me a little bit about the story behind this. Why did Crescent Project come up with the idea to do the Bridges curriculum as a tool for American Christians? Number one experience I had when I started in the Middle East is that believers in Jesus need certain equipping. They don't, we have the Holy Spirit, but you need to learn tools. You know, it's like a toolbox with tools. How to answer, and that's why we use the word bridges. You start with where they are. Once they go through the study, the first two sessions is what is Islam, basic understanding of Islam that everybody has. The next two is what is the gospel to Islam. And then the last two is answering two questions that they will ask. Is the Bible trustworthy? And why Jesus died? I want to encourage people to take advantage of this teaching. It is fabulous. My wife and I led a Sunday school class through it several years ago. 
you know, maybe you don't know any Muslims. I thought as we were going through it, if you took out the word Muslim every time it appeared and just said unbeliever, this is great teaching for anyone. Now, obviously, it talks about the teachings of Islam and so forth, but it is great teaching. One of the things that I remember still is a prayer that you pray before a conversation with a Muslim or an unbeliever. And, and the prayer goes something like this, Lord, I'm ready to have a conversation about faith, but you have to open the door. Amen. Why is that prayer so liberating? It is uh, my personality. I'm very much an extrovert. So uh, my wife is the opposite. She's an introvert. She always says, uh, honey, when we're in the elevator, just turn around and count the numbers, you know? <laughs> so many times if you're extrovert, you, you run ahead of Jesus. And if you're introvert, you never talk about Jesus because you're always afraid. So this prayer sets the right posture. It's Jesus' work in the first place. And it makes me be confident that if he opens the conversation, I need to continue. Especially when Muslims ask you, you know, uh, when they ask you, why are you a believer? In this way, you'll be able to share. We're talking today on Voice of Martyrs Radio with Fouad Masri. He is the founder of the Crescent Project. He's also the teacher in a curriculum called Bridges. I want to end with this question because we want to equip people to pray. How do we pray for the Muslims around us, as we're thinking about, Lord, help me to share the, the gospel, help open that door of conversation. But how do we specifically pray in that process? If you know a Muslim, pray for them by name. Uh, get people around you to pray for them by name and ask specific requests. So if you know that person, maybe they have an issue at work or family, or a need, health need, financial need. So tell your friend, I'm going to pray for you for this thing. And then let the Lord answer in his timing. But when he answers, if it was a sickness or a health issue or money issue, you know, sometimes you say, oh, you prayed for me and I got a job. Or I, you prayed for me and I'm, I'm learning English better than before. Uh, or maybe they have somebody trying to come. You know, pray, Lord, let the government allow my friend's mom to come. Or let God move, number one. Number two is when they see that there are others interested, a Muslim feels they're part of a family. Now, if you don't know Muslims, then pray for Muslims in general. But I have a friend in England. Uh, he picks a Muslim name and he prays for it once a day. So Mondays is for Muhammad. Tuesdays for Ali. <laughs> so maybe you might say, today I'm going to pray for the Afghan people. They're beautiful people. Their country is in shambles, but they're beautiful people. You want to pray for Iranians. The Iranians are struggling or suffering. Or maybe you want to pray for Moroccans or Tunisians. Or maybe something on the news happened. I, I made a commitment whenever I see the clock saying 9-1-1 to pray for the United States of America. Every time I'm in a country, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, says, If my people humble themselves, and turn from their wicked ways, and seek my face, I will heal the land. So at 7.14, that's another clock time for me to pray for the place I'm in. So if I'm in France, I pray for the French people. If I'm in Austria, if I'm in Saudi, whatever I am, pray for that nation. Lord, let them humble themselves. The prayer is powerful because you're asking God to move. What a great ministry you have done and are doing 
Thank you for that, and thank you for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks, Don. Welcome. I want to encourage you to connect with the Crescent Project and with Fouad, his writing, his books, the Bridges Curriculum. If you come to vomradio.net, we'll give you a link to the Crescent Project website, which offers all of those resources. If you missed any of today's conversation, you can hear the whole program again at vomradio.net. All of our past episodes are archived there. You can learn even more about sharing the gospel with Muslims and people from all different backgrounds from all around the world. Again, our website, vomradio.net. Next week, we're going to hear from Nick and Ruth Ripkin, the authors of the book, The Insanity of God. They have been our guests previously here on VOM Radio. They have shared the truth of the gospel in some very hard places. They've also experienced tragedy in their family while serving the Lord. They're going to talk very honestly about disappointment, about loss, about pain, and how they've seen God's goodness in the middle of it. That's next time right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.